the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Tomorrow can be bigger. Just grow, let the world overflow. Yeah. Live a life bigger than yourself. You're created for greatness. Live a life bigger than yourself. This is the Live Big Broadcast with Derek Greer. The Word of God is full of life-changing power. So our prayer is that this broadcast equips you to live a life so big that it impacts everyone and everything around you. Remember to hit the notification bell on YouTube to get this teaching and worship with us live each week. Let's join Bishop Greer. Amen. We are going to be in the book of John, starting with chapter, uh, we're in chapter 3, starting with uh, verse 22. And John says by the Holy Spirit, after these things, Jesus. Jesus had just started traveling. Uh, He had just turned water into wine. He spent 40 days, uh, 40 nights in the wilderness. He turned over tables uh, at the temple in Jerusalem. And uh, he also had his famous uh, Nick at night meeting, you know, with Nicodemus. But my pastor used to say while he was alive, you cannot influence what you avoid. Okay, she said, say it again. You cannot influence what you avoid. So despite the condition of the world, the condition of his nation, Jesus had to go to where the people were. And growth, whether it's in your personal life, your 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 career ministry or anything else requires personal investment and it's often uncomfortable, messy, and full of feelings you were not expecting. And Jesus is familiar with all of the things that we go through in life. And it says, after these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea. So Jesus was comfortable ministering in the city, which was Jerusalem, but also the small towns. He spoke, spoke with the elite, the educated, you know, the, the folks with more education, really, than, than, than they could handle. But he also spoke with the common folk, those with accents so thick you almost need an interpreter to, to understand. But don't ever become so spiritual, you can't be regular anymore. You can't talk to regular folk anymore. You so high, so spiritual, so tongue-talking, you hear what I'm saying, so vision-seeing, that you can't be regular. And there he remained, not above them, not behind them or beside them, but with them. And he 
baptized. Now, the next chapter tells us that it wasn't Jesus himself that was baptized. It was actually his disciples. And, and by the way, our teams are getting remobilized, and soon we will have our first baptism since COVID, and you need to be excited about that. And just while I'm on it, now this is not the point today, but baptism is sacred. It's a very, very important step in our spiritual journey, and it should not be missed. You know, as a, well, a wedding celebrates the, the, the union of two hearts for life, baptism celebrates the union of the human and divine for eternity. So if you really made Jesus the Lord of your life, it's time to jump the broom. Now, now Jesus also was baptizing in Anion near Salem because there was much water there. So those of us that over-spiritualize, we need to understand that baptism first happens in the heart, but not only in the heart. According to Jesus here, it also requires physical water in a physical place with physical people watching because baptism is really a declaration to the physical world that we've chosen a new path. You see, weekly worship without concrete commitment is no more than flattery. And we need to follow the directions. And Jesus would like every one of us to be baptized to say to the watching world, we belong to him. And they came and were baptized. This is what you got to come for. This is something you got to do. And, and by the way, some of us were baptized as children. How many of you were baptized as children? Yeah. And, and, and that's a good thing because Jesus tells us, suffer or allow the little children to come to me and don't forbid them for as such is the kingdom of heaven. So I would not refuse a child that's been rightly instructed, you know, about what baptism is. But as you grow older, you know whether or not it was real. You see, I, I may not be perfect, but I've lived long enough to know I'm not fake. And time has a way of revealing whether or not it was real. For John had not yet been thrown in prison. It's going to take me a minute to get to our focus. Just stay with me. Context is important. So John had been baptizing for months, if not years. It's been going on for a while. He had built the largest ministry, the most popular ministry in the entire nation. Even Jesus himself was baptized by John. But we see when his time came, it wasn't all fluff. It wasn't all for show. He was willing to pay the ultimate price. And ultimately, he paid with his life. But let's keep going. But then in verse 25, the human happened. Great ministry, miracles are being done, lives are being changed, but then people. Then there arose a dispute between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purification. So people in the church argue then and they still argue now. But how many of us have been in relations long enough to, to, to know that what we're arguing about is seldom really what we're arguing about. Now, you argue because, you know, uh, your husband, your wife, or you know, whoever, you know, forgot to, to, to pick up that thing from the store. But underneath 
What you're really arguing about is you might be, feel taken for granted. You, 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 you might feel that, that you don't matter. It's not the, the event. It's typically what's going on in, in the heart and mind underneath. So, so what I found in my life, and I know me and my wife, we supposed to fell from heaven, but we didn't. We didn't. We didn't. <laughs> what I've learned, if we're arguing about something for more than a couple minutes, Chances are it's not just about one person's actions, but about something going on inside of one of us. So finally, in verse 26, there's this argument going on, but that's not really the deal. We get to the real problem. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi. So they call him by his formal title. They're trying to get John stirred up because there's another rabbi that that's shown up and, and and he's doing great things but john here doesn't take the bait actually we find in john he does not have a petty bone in his body you know pettiness is usually the consequence of a person not yet living for a larger purpose see i'm learning when they go 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 low we go what high rabbi he who was with you beyond the Jordan. The Bible tells us that Jesus and John were first cousins. Remember, Elizabeth and Mary were related. But here they wouldn't even say Jesus' name. He who was with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified. John, the guy you baptized, the guy you said that God told you to endorse, is getting bigger than you. By the way, this isn't another aside. If God had to raise up someone credible to vouch for Jesus, someone somewhere also should be in position to vouch for us. Yeah, I'm getting a few amens today. I love this African proverb, but I'm going to cut you, but then I'm going to put you back together. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. We need other leaders in our lives. We need other Christians in our lives. We need people that can vouch for our faith, vouch for our life and our living. And they said, look at this, John. Pay attention, Rabbi. I thought you were a leader. You're supposed to understand leadership. Behold, Rabbi, he's baptizing and all are coming to him, he's upstaging you, John. He's going to put us out of business, John. Everyone's looking to him now, John. John, you need to protect what you work for. John, li listen, if, if you better do something, John, or we're going to pass away and everyone else is going to be involved in this new movement. But watch John's answer. It's impressive. And John answered and said, a man can receive nothing, no thing of any value, unless it's been given to him from heaven, circumlution for God. See, this is actually one of my wife's favorite verses. She knows I was going to say this. She's actually the least petty person I have ever met in my life. You know, people will come up to us and try to compare us to others. Typic her typical response is, well, 
That's not what we were given. You see, she's lived long enough to, to learn wearing pretty shoes that don't fit will eventually ruin your feet. You don't want to spend your life running someone else's race. You, you, you don't want to climb the ladder of success only to find up in the end it's leaned up against the wrong building. You need to do you and run the race assigned to you. That's all God's going to hold you accountable. Not what I do or what she does, what Jane does, what, 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 what John does, but what God's called you to do. Psalm 16 and 6, and, and I know you, you think, again, that, that you know, I kind of live in a different world. Let me tell you something. Ministry can be one of the most petty environments you ever bump into. And this verse has helped me for over 30 years. The psalmist says here, I say my, but it says, the, my boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely. Even though I don't look like the other, I, I don't hit a note like Arthur does, and, and, and I'm not as tall as, as Pastor Ken, and, and it, you know, I, there's a zillion things I, I can't do. But he said, my boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places I'm, I'm happy about. I, I can be happy just being me in pleasant places. Surely... Surely I have a delightful inheritance. In other words, he was saying, I'm happy with my limitations. I'm happy with what I can do and what I, I, I can't do. There are things I have others don't have, but also things others uh, don't have that I do have, and I'm good. A man said, contentment is not having everything but being satisfied with everything you have. Verse 27, let's go back. John answered and said, a man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. John didn't want a bigger office, bigger role, bigger responsibilities, or a platform that didn't fit him. You know, I've had moments when my, my little wife will look me in the eye. I'm about a foot taller than her. And she looked me in the eye and say, Mister, I fit you perfectly. If I'm a problem, I'm the problem God meant you to have. <laughs> if I'm a blessing, I'm the blessing God meant you to have. I may not be it for anybody else, but I'm it for you. She's right. Making me research text, and I found in Genesis 2 and 18, the Lord said, It's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable, suitable, suitable for him. God promised to give Adam 
a helper that suited him. Meaning God was the tailor and whatever she was must fit. So if she doesn't fit at some point in my life, either I need to lose weight, work out and gain some weight, or she needs to shrink or stretch. But here's the deal. If God gave them to you, you better make it work. My Bible says every good and perfect gift comes down from above. He or she may not always be what you want, but according to my Bible, God is the tailor and that person is exactly who you need. My wife has made me strong. My wife has made me tough. When we were arguing, she made me patient. Do you understand what I'm saying? She was exactly what I needed. And if I would have picked without the mind of God, I would have messed up. And by the way, even if you messed up at the altar, God knows how to form and knows how to fashion and knows how to fix. If you got married before God, God will make him or her suitable for the journey. My Bible says, y'all going to get mad at me, but woe to the man who argues with his creator. So if God gave you that gift, it must fit. Well, no, no, she's tight and no, no, no. You got to lose weight. <laughs> Work out or gain some weight. You either got your head too big or you got to get stronger. I went to Medlin, but I'm helping somebody. You say I'm going to get out of this marriage, but you can't get out of life because the same lesson going to follow you. Until you learn it. Until you learn it until you learn it. That person you're married to is suitable. God knows how to make suits fit. God knows how to design things and, and make it snug in a place. And look, you hear what I'm, God knows what he's, he's doing. I know I went to Midland, but I'm going to get back to the scripture. John 3 and 28. The word is good, isn't it? Yeah. He said, uh, John 3 and 28, you yourselves bear me witness. They, they wanted to puff him up and say, well, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. He's taking advantage of my niceness and my kindness, and, and he should be in another neighborhood. Why is he over here and, and all that stuff? He said, yeah, you, you bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ. John understood something that some of us don't understand. I'm nobody's savior. I can't fix nobody. I, I, I could, I, you know, I, I'm really just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who, who can say, but, but, but I am not. You are not all that. You cannot fix that person unless they make up their mind to be fixed. They're not going to be fixed. I am not the Christ. Everybody's problem is not my fault. Everybody's issue is not my responsibility. I'm not the savior of nobody. I have a tough enough time with my own life to try to be saving everybody else's life. But I've been sent 
before the one who is the Christ. You see, John knew who he was because he said, I I have been sent. So I have an assignment, but I'm not your savior. I I can help you, but I can't do it for you. He said, I've been sent. He knew who he was, but he also knew who Jesus was. He, He didn't think too high of himself, acting like he was the Christ. He didn't think too low of himself as if he didn't have a role in God's plan. And we go to these extremes. I'm just a nothing. Oh, I'm everything. But I want to tell you something today in our modern culture, and this is going to grate you wrong, but it will help you. I think high self-esteem is overrated. A little low self-esteem is good for the soul. It helps you remain grateful. And you will never be grateful for something you think you're entitled to. Will anyone else come back next Sunday? (laughs) Verse 29. Then he explains, he who has the bride is the bridegroom. So as leaders, as parents, as, 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 as friends, we are groomsmen, never the groom. But we still have a role. Now, I'm not the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom. And today, the friend of the bridegroom would be called the best man. But in those days, the best man had, had a whole lot of responsibility, a little bit different to today. He, he helped organize the, the details of the wedding. Sometimes he helped negotiate the contract between families. He also made sure, and this, still, this is still done today, make sure the groom shows up for the wedding. But the the, the friend of the groom or the best man also had a special duty to guard the bridal chamber and let no false lover inside. And he only opened the door to the bridal suite after he heard the groom's voice on the other side. And then he goes on to explain this. But the friend of the bridegroom, the best man, who stands and hears him rejoices Greatly because of the bride's groom voice. The church is Christ's bride. Listen, I love the church. I'm a pastor. You guys keep me awake and I'm praying for you, pulling for you. And I love the church, but, but nowhere close to Jesus. Jesus puts up with stuff. Let's her back in after. He deals with stuff that would make me lose my mind as a man if I had to. Jesus got grown man stuff going on with the church. And I want to stay a child. I couldn't handle all that. See, Jesus still lives in us, though we closed that door and went into that room. He was inside us when we said that thing, did that thing. He knew exactly what we meant, and we meant it because he sees it from the inside. But he still loves his bride. 
That's grown man love. That, that's fierce love. I ain't messing with Jesus' bride. Uh, he gave me a measure of his love for you, but I can't love you. Nobody can love you like Jesus. So John understood this. And he said, therefore, since I hear the, 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 the real groom coming to, 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 to be intimate with his bride, I, my, my joy is fulfilled. <laughs> I can't handle that, Jesus. Go ahead and handle your stuff. I am not the Christ. I can't love like you love. I, I can't do what you do. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. But pay attention here. He measured his life against his assignment, not his spotlight. In a wedding, the focus is supposed to be on the bride and the groom, never the groomsman. He understood his role. He said, listen, I'm not the groom. I am, my job is to make sure the groom shows up. So Malachi prophesied that, that, that the messenger would come and, and he'd make the crooked straight and all that. And John came and he said, hey, this is the Messiah. He pointed, this is the Christ. God told me the one, the spirit of God comes down and, and rests on. That's the one. That's the Messiah. That, that's the guy that would, God would use to, to, to save the earth. But he said, I, I'm not that one. My only job was to bring the people to Jesus. You've been listening to Live Big with Bishop Derek Greer. Join us next time as we continue this teaching. We pray that God's word has equipped you to think big, do big, and live big in a way that your life overflows and blesses those around you. If you want to learn more about becoming a Christian or you feel that you need to rededicate your life to Christ, we want to walk you through the steps to do so. Go to gracechurchva.org salvation to find out more and watch videos from Bishop Greer that will guide you into your life in Christ. Again, that's gracechurchva.org slash salvation. We invite you to worship with us online each Sunday on our YouTube channel at GraceChurchVATV. While you're there, remember to subscribe and hit the notification bell to get all of our latest content. That's our time for today. Until next time, remember, you have what it takes in Christ to live big. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.